Welcome to OKHR Leads, hosted by Tara Crowley and Rob Trotter. We are connecting with HR leaders in our community and hearing their story and what makes them tick. It is currently 2022, Robert Trotter. What's happening with you? Do you have any goals for this year? You know, as far as those New New Year's resolution happens, I, I try to avoid that because I usually break them by January 15th anyway. But I do yeah. believe that, that goals and goal setting is, is important. So I, I have a couple of those, you know, just to kind of kind of keep things moving forward. I want to do little stuff like journal more, write more, kind of just stuff yeah. like that to help keep things clear and, and things. But um, this is our first podcast back since the holidays. You know, we, yeah. we did have Dina, but we recorded that before the holidays. So right. how, how, how was how was Christmas Day? Well, uh christmas was a ton of fun with my family and then the next day everybody came back saying they had covid not really my family but everybody else (laughs) so then that put me on that whole spin of what do we do about it and all of that but that's okay um and then new year's was fun um ate too much steak so that was great i was so full i couldn't stay up till midnight and that's all right yeah yeah, the the highlight for my holiday was by watching Spider-Man 3. If you if you do listen to this podcast, you know that my son was on the movie set for that movie. So I, I can't tell you how thrilling it was to actually sit there and watch the credits roll on the, on the big movie screen there and then see my son's name pop across the, the end there. But uh, yeah. My son saw that movie. He said it was amazing. <laughs> amazing. He the, loved it. The movie it was good so too, much. yeah. Yeah, right. he loved it. So well, well yeah. done. Yeah, I'll have to make that connection for him. Hey, before we get into our guests, I do have a question. Do you have a word of the year? We've had other, we had guests who talked about that word of the year. Uh, no, I, I do oh, not. Put you I, on the I, spot. We're going to have to circle back. Right. I wrote down, I was reading something yesterday and the word uh, vi- vitality really struck oh, out to me in the sentence, word. like, you know, uh, energetic, you know, it's just this kind of thing yeah. about motivation and stuff. So maybe yeah. that'll be it. Um, okay. That was just a recent word that hit me. All right. I'm writing that down. Vitality for Rob. I think mine is um, curiosity. So mm. you just still be curious. Sure. All right. Okay. Well, that leads us into our curious guest. Yeah. We have a guest to talk to. Today. We have a guest. She's been waiting. So we have <laughs> Melissa Lockhart. And Melissa is the director of HR for Medify Health, which is a benefits navigation app. And she lives in Tulsa. She volunteers for the... Tulsa Area Human Resources Association, which is also known as Tara, um, where she is the current president-elect. President, president this year. Oh, oh, yeah. She already got moved, bumped up. We missed it. <laughs> Last year, president-elect. <laughs> yes. And uh, Melissa and I are now partners in crime because we're both on the OKHR State Conference Committee. And so we're going to be spending tons of time together over the next few months. But I'm pleased to introduce Miss Melissa Lockhart. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Hi, guys. Thank you. Excited to be here. I've been listening. So I'm excited to be one of the talkers, I guess you would say. (laughs) We get to hear more about you and what you, what you bring to the table, all of those fancy schmancy things. Oh, good. I'll make something up if it doesn't sound good. (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, good. That's that's what Tara does. does. (laughs) I'm not that quick on my feet, Rob is. So well, how excited are you, Tara, that we named our organization after you? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) you did. You did. Yeah. Yeah. It means, yes. So the T-A-R-A means the earth. So I guess it means you're down to earth. So so maybe we know things. So Tara is, you know, the center of knowledge. We'll just put it in that way. We Very just made all that up. Center of that's, that's exactly why we, we went with that. <laughs> well, Melissa, we're so excited that you um, came to sit with us for a little bit today. And we want to hear about your background and what um, how that led to your experience in your career. So do you have... Can you tell us a little bit about that and set the yeah. stage? I think I have kind of a, maybe a somewhat unique background of getting into HR. Um, I didn't start out in the HR world. I didn't go to school for HR, quite frankly. I went to school for counseling. I thought I was going to be a psychologist. And then I worked with counselors and saw what they did all day. And I was like, no freaking way. <laughs> <laughs> I pivoted. Um, but yeah, I... I um, got started in a nonprofit. I worked at 
domestic violence intervention services. I was offered that job right out of high school because I'd done a lot of volunteer work for them. Wow. And um, I did community education. So educated everybody from churches to uh, leadership in organizations to schools of all ages about um, dating abuse, healthy relationships, domestic violence, sexual violence, all those very fun topics. Um, and I did that for a little over 10 years and um, got kind of burnt out, quite frankly. Right. Um, when you're, you know, you, you, you pivot it to the audience, but after a while it is the same message over and over again. And I was looking for a new challenge and um, I'd always really bonded well with our HR manager at Devis. Um, her name was Connie and just such a sweetheart. And I just loved to watch and see what she did. And I'd ask her a lot of questions about it and how did you get into it and how certified and all that stuff. And so she was a really great mentor and resource for me. Um, and so I ended up getting a job um, as an HR manager over two, well, for a hotel chain, so in the hospitality industry, and I managed two hotels. Um, and why they gave me the job, I will not know other than probably sheer desperation to fill the role. Um, I think I just uh, talked them into it from my training background, and they were like, fine, you're a warm body, you will do. Um, but I didn't care because I was going to get the experience so that I could, you know, have enough experience so that I could get certified and then go on to a different industry. But I don't regret it because I learned so much in that job. Um, everything was a challenge in that job. Every single person that left that facility filed unemployment. Didn't matter if they left with a two week notice um, <laughs> writing, like it did not matter. Everybody filed it. We had EEO claims. We had, I mean, like I learned so much. My very first day there, I had a manager bring me um, an employee stating that she just said she burnt herself um, on some coffee. And, um, and so I had to take her to the facility to get treatment. And I said, well, can I take a picture of your injury? And she refused to let me take a picture or even show me the injury. So this was like day one, like, you know, trial by fire, but um, wow. I rose to the challenge. I loved it. Um, I realized very quickly that HR was what I wanted to do. I mean, it wasn't always easy. There was, you know, ups and downs with it, but um, I loved it. Um, I got the bug. So I was there um, two years and then um, I had my youngest son. And for the first time, I decided to stay home with him for about a year. Um, and that was a hard transition. I thought, okay, I'm just not working. So that'll be easy, right? I'm not right. doing something, but it was hard for me. Um, and then I finally did get used to it and like it. And then I had to go back to work. So that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was at that time. And um, so I went back to Divis actually, um, and they brought me in as a generalist just so I could get my feet back in the HR world again, because I'd had that break. Um, and we both knew it was kind of a temporary thing. They were kind of really just helping me out. And um, I found a job at an engineering firm and got quickly promoted there to the director of HR. And I was there for almost five years and loved it. I had a great HR team we built up. We went from 114 employees when I started to at 450 at one point. And we had offices in five different states and two other countries. So it was a, it was also another type of challenge that I really enjoyed. Um, but they ended up, they were, they had sole ownership and he sold the company to a larger company here in Tulsa. And, um, they, uh, did away with my role and my generalist role. So, um, I was without a job for the first time in a long time. And I found a job about a month later working for a manufacturer. So um, I loved it. It was definitely a different type of challenge. I don't know if you've ever worked in manufacturing. It has its own unique qualities about it, which I was learning, you know, again, trial by fire. Um, but I... I, I took that job because of the leadership and that they really appreciated the strategic aspect of HR mm -hmm. and how that can benefit a company um, and that they really cared about their employees. They were, a, you know, family ran business. Now I will say over time that did change. They did uh, get acquired by equity and then that you could see that the culture and the leadership was changing. And so um, I started realizing it was time. I'd been there about four and a half years 
um, to probably move on because if your leadership is not aligned with what your values are, um, you can't really, it's hard to support that. Right. And that's, I feel like that's the big part of HR's job is to support that. And if I can't, I can no longer do that. I can't really mm-hmm. do my job well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was actually approached and offered the job here at Medify. Um, and like you said, we're a health benefits navigation app. And so, which sounds very clinical, but what we do is we have to help people every day, which is right in my wheelhouse. I love being able to help people when people are, you know, wanting information about healthcare. It's sometimes in their darkest times, like maybe they just got diagnosed with cancer and then they don't know where to go for treatment or how much is this going to cost me? And it's terrifying. And so we get to help navigate them and, and just help people. I, I love doing that. So getting to do HR, getting to have autonomy to, um, work in a company that's not quite a startup, we're a step above a startup, but we're a young growing company. Um, But having that autonomy to be able to go in and um, create an HR department from scratch and create systems and processes and policies, that's my sweet spot. That's what I love to do. And getting to do that at a company that I really believe in the work that they do is just makes that much sweeter. All right. I have, I have, many different directions we can go with wherever your history has been. And I guess I'll start from where we just landed on the Medify part. So I'm curious about that. Is that, can anybody use this app? So can it be just, I'm a regular person and I I just had some diagnosis and I need to know what's the next step or does it have to be tied into a business and tied onto your current benefit? Currently that is the case. It does. It's a benefit that it, companies purchase as a benefit for their employees. Right now, um, our client base is large employers. So 200 plus employees, because they tend to self fund their benefit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when we're helping those employees save money, we're actually helping the company on the back end save money as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And just really helping them get the best out of their benefits that they work so hard to provide for those employees. So, but so it is a little bit complicated because, you know, everybody, you guys know um, that everybody's benefits are different. They're designed different. The platform, the vendors, the providers, the costs, all of that network, everything's different for each company. And so when we sign on a new company, we load all that information into the system. So right now we're not built to be able to do that for an individual user, but that is a long-term goal for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. And um, yeah, because and I get it. We've been in, we've been in, um, planning, um, planning phases for us personally, where we've had things like this that are, that are an add on, um, to a current plan. And so it is something that I think could be very beneficial to employees. And, you know, can you give us a story of where you've saved somebody time or money or help them? Can you give that? Yeah, I have a favorite story. Um, and we have many others, but this one, I just, I don't know, it just touched me personally, but we had a single mom who had um, survived cancer and she was in remission, but she needed to get back on her new employer's health insurance, but they would not cover her unless she had a full body scan to determine if there were any other cancer cells left in her body. And the scan cost several thousand dollars. I think it's, I think it was about 5,000. And she did not have it. She was a single mom of three kids. And so she did everything she could to try to raise that money. She even sold her vehicle, which broke my heart when I heard that. Because how do you go to a job and take care of three kids without a vehicle? But she just knew she had to have this coverage. Um, And so she was doing whatever she could. She only raised um, about 1500 is my understanding and um, still didn't have enough. And so her boss, called my COO, who was also a co-founder. She, they were not using our platform, but he knew what we did. And so he called our COO and he said, listen, um, I have this situation with one of my employees. What, how can you, is there any advice you can give? Where can we direct her to go? And um, my COO, Nathan said, well, I can tell her where she can go right now for $180 and get that MRI. It was a full body uh, scan, not an MRI. Sure. But, And, um, and she, and he was stunned and, you know, so he took that information back to, or she took that information back to her doctor. And the doctor said, you know what, that's out of our network. I'll just, I'll just do the the scan for free because he didn't want to go outside the hospital network. So the only difference is we had knowledge she didn't have. That's the only difference. And 
it could, it could have been life-changing for in a very detrimental way. Maybe she didn't have the, the vehicle to get to work, to, to earn the living, to get the insurance, you know? So just having that information really could have turned that situation around much quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. And you also mentioned whenever you were talking about your background of, um, aligning with, you know, the leaders support of the leaders and making a difference, because I do, I, you know, I kind of just want to land the plane there for a minute because as HR, that is our job. I mean, yes, we're, we, we land on both sides. We're supporting the leadership and what their goals are and what they want to do and try to get, try to get there. And then on the other side, we're supporting employees Mm -hmm. and what their goals are. I mean, we, you know, straddle both sides, but I, but I loved hearing you say, our job is to support the leadership. And that's very true. And I think, you know, finding your, your match and wherever you are, what business and, and knowing that you have to do those things. I mean, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but (laughs) I just think that was really important to hear and to say more than once. Yeah, no, I, I fully believe that. You know, anytime I've ever had to pivot to a new role or a new job at a new company, I have really deliberately paid attention to what leadership I would be working with them for because mm-hmm. I feel like HR is just hand in hand with them. And if they don't want HR to be hand in hand with them, that says a lot about the leadership too, right. because then they don't know, understand the value that HR brings and I can't help that organization. Right. So um, I, I, I pay attention to the leader and I don't really have any interest in working with one that isn't aligned with that. Yeah. I understand. And also you talked about transitioning to not working to be an, um, an at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And I just want to jump in there and say, I agreed. It was so hard for me. And granted, I'm out of, been out of that for a very long time, but it was over a year. And I just remember going, it's four o'clock. This is the worst time of day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I just, I thought it would be easy, but it was not. And I, so shout out to all the stay at home moms, of, you know, different set of skills. That's for sure. Yes, so, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Have respect there. All right. Well, okay. So we kind of hopped into a couple of different things in your background, but um, you are currently talking about different roles. You're currently the speaker wrangler for the OKHR um, conference, state conference that's coming up in April at Hard Rock in Tulsa. What kind of speakers can we expect this year for the conference? Well, we want we want some new, exciting information. I, we, you know, we uh, want people who are excited about HR again and, and want to um, innovate as a theme. So yes. we'll tie that in, right? Yep. Uh, we want people who are innovative and in their role. We've had to be innovative these last two years, right? Um, we've had to be selfish. We've had to be a lot of things. Um, you asked Rob what his one word is. Mine is two words. It's uh radical positivity. That's what I've been trying to spread and encourage um, because, you know, COVID has been a downer. (laughs) I think we're all sick to death of hearing that word um, and everything that comes along with it. Um, And I think we're ready for some positivity. And um, I think what's happened with COVID because everybody's had to transition to be so selfish. I mean, that sounds, it's a negative connotation, but we've had to, you know, worry about our own personal health and our family's health. And we, Mm -hmm. you know, close tight, um, with our circle. Um, we kind of had to do that, that I think it's just important now that, um, we, realize that our words, our actions, our behaviors affect others. You know, the service industry is taking a major hit right now because people have forgotten that. Um, and then, so we're beating up on the people that do show up to work when they're short staff. I think you mentioned Rob that, you know, your wife's work is short staff. That's everywhere right now, unfortunately. And so I think we need to learn to be patient you know, support people, lift them up, the ones that are are showing up to work, let's support those people. And I just want to try to encourage people to remember that again. Yeah. I think I saw one on one of your Facebook posts about, um, and I've seen it at some other businesses. It's like, you know, they, they chose to show up. So be kind or something in that manner of, you know, people are showing up and we do need to remember that. And, you know, I think everyone is so, the anxiety level is higher Mm -hmm. than it's probably been in a very long time for a lot of people. And so just anything kind of exasperates and people get 
set off, you know, like somebody flying right now. And we've seen all of those stories about Mm -hmm. persons, guests on airlines, and they're not being very nice. No, (laughs) I mean, they're that industry, they're just getting beat up left and right. It's awful. Yeah. So radical positivity and uh, innovate. So innovate is our theme for the conference. And um, so hopefully we have um, some great speakers that can help kind of feed into being um, creative and giving some HR leaders and HR personnel some some ideas of what people can take back to their their businesses. Yeah. So speaking of innovating in your role and volunteering with businesses, what, um, what are you seeing that organizations are doing to keep employees engaged right now or a different way to ask that, or how are they handling the great resignation? That is a good question. I think, um, I'm a big uh, component of culture. Um, I think, in in our case, none of us want to work, um, in a, that, a buttoned up corporate environment. We all want to be, you know, show up to work every day, we're a place we enjoy being at. And so, um, I think it takes all employees to do that. So, um, I feel like culture is a very intentional thing that you focus on constantly and you foster it constantly. I hire for culture. Um, meaning I feel like people are either contributing to your culture or they're taking away from it. Um, and they're just takers of the culture or they're toxic to it. And so when I hire for that, I want to know what are they going to contribute towards our culture? Because no company has a great culture just because HR says they do. It's what everybody in the company contributes towards it. And so making it easy for people to contribute to the culture and with ideas and um, improvements and ways to bond um, and get to know each other outside of just the day-to-day stuff. I think it all goes towards that. Um, But again, I don't think that's just HR's role. I think we can be the um, tool to improve it, but not, you know, it's not just our responsibility because it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So so Melissa, we have a lot of uh, HR representatives listening to this that that hire and, and really want to try to hire that best person. So help them. How do you hire for culture? What's the tricks there? Well, I literally ask, I say, you know, I tell a a little bit about how, what we feel about our culture. And, um, you know, I say kind of what I just said that I don't feel like it's good just because I say so it's because of all of our employees contribute. And, and I ask them, what would you do to contribute to our culture? And you get some good answers, you know, and then the trick is letting them do that you know, empowering people, um, to do that. Um, you, uh, one of my, I would say my most cliche, but my best management tools is just treating people like adults, like human beings, like adults, like letting them do their jobs. You know, if you've got policies that nobody follows, including HR, then don't have that policy, throw it out. You know, I think dress code's a good example of that. Um, is it really necessary for everybody to show up in ties and slacks? Does that make their job any better? Do they ever even see a client? Um, or can you just, you know, trust that they've been dressing themselves since they were toddlers for the most part um, and they're capable of doing it? Um, and if it becomes an issue, then you address that issue. But rather than having this blanket policy for everybody that's not really necessary, is that the best route for your company? Now, there are some that you need that policy and that's fine, but just evaluate those policies. Are they necessary or they just have always been there and nobody listens to them? So why do you have them? Yeah, I think that's, it's such a good thing to remind people of because instead of having a policy for one, having a policy for everyone. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's the always, you hear the stories of the one person who did something. So then we create a policy because that one person did yeah. the one thing, but most people don't do that. Right. You know, no, they most don't. People don't do that. Yeah. Address that, that one thing. Cause that's the problem. Right. That's, so. that's not, Yeah. I just think that's hard. And, and I think the other thing, you know, it's, it is the beginning of the year. And I think a lot of people are actually looking at their policies right now, if they're doing the, you know, policy overview and just making sure that their policies are up to date. It's always hard. I think if you're an HR to go back and look at those with a different eye to go, Oh, well, this doesn't apply to us anymore of what you were just saying, you it know, is, yeah. you've had the dress policy in there for a long time. So it doesn't even, uh, you know, 
think about it to go, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't have it in there. So that's a right. good, a good well, way to maybe look like at a, it differently. It's a check mark. You got the dress policy done, right? So now you're right. moving on to the next policy. It's easy for us to just forget about them and overlook them. But really, if nobody's enforcing it or doing it, why have it? Yeah, that's where I would start anyway. Well, and it seems like um, a lot of businesses are, you know, more casual anyway. I mean, so I'm kind of harping on this mm-hmm. because I'm thinking about it. If we're having people who are working from home and OK, so I put on a nicer shirt, but I'm wearing sweatpants. Hello. Yeah. I mean, yeah. does policy matter? <laughs> right. No, <laughs> it did not make you do your job any better. I can assure yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> the sweatpants probably did, though. <laughs> Yeah, I can sit down and hammer out my new policy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, those are good, good pieces to think about. And, and culture is for sure. So I just, um, so, okay, so let me back up and just say, so culture, you are asking, what are you, con- what are you going to contribute with ideas? And so what ideas have you heard from persons that stand out whenever you've asked that before? Mm-hmm. I think my favorite one is the recent one. Um, She's like, well, I don't know if I should say this, but I like to have fun, but not too much fun. And I'm like, well, fun's okay. Tell me what you do for fun. And she said, well, uh, last week I hid under my boss's desk and scared the crap out of him. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you'd be surprised what you get. Like, just ask the question. Uh-oh. And we like stuff like that. So yeah. I was going to say, does that person still have a job? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Not if I have your anything audience. to do with it. Oh, you're saying, know your audience. Know yeah. your audience. Um, I, okay. I, I want to hop back because you talked about working for uh, the Tulsa Domestic Violence Intervention Service, but DVIS. How, yeah. how else did you say it? Divis? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. DVIS. Either way. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and so I know I, you talked about being there initially as, as was it a counselor or a trainer? Tell that again. I, I was, I did community education. Okay. And I trained volunteers, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So I can only imagine being there that you saw and heard many situations that were just heartbreaking. And what do you think that HR needs to know? for situations like that, because if that is ever a situation um, for an an employee, what does HR need to do in order to be sensitive or to how, how to handle that? If somebody comes to you. I think that's an excellent question. I'm glad you asked because um, HR has to know a lot of things and I don't think that they can know everything about everything, but um, one of the best tools I've ever had as HR is just listening. I, I am surprised at how many people come into my office and just need me to hear them and listen to them and validate that what they're going through is hard or frustrating. Um, but they never don't always need me to have an answer or a solution. And it's kind of surprising. They feel better. They walk out and then I never hear from them again about that, you know? So it's interesting. Um, you think a lot of times people are coming to HR for a solution or, or, you know, to a problem, but many times I just need to be heard. And, and I think specifically people who are dealing with um, abuse in the home um, the workplace may be the only place they feel safe. Um, and that may also be in danger. Uh, they may be in danger of losing that workplace because of the, the control the abuser tends to have. And they don't like them to have a lot, their um, partner to have a lot of freedom. And so that can be a challenge. So um, it also can be a challenge when it comes to performance, because maybe they are constantly on the phone with their partner and um, they're mm-hmm. controlling all of their time. And so, you know, seeing those types of signs, I have even had many employees who have been dealing with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, as a result of abuse. We, you know, we always get them from uh, war vets, and, but we don't always think about it when it comes to uh, those who have suffered abusive relationships. Um, and um, I think that needs to be acknowledged, you know, just as considered as you would be of a war vet, you wouldn't necessarily pop a balloon behind them without warning them or, um, right. you know, showing a, a active shooter video without giving them a heads up what might be triggering in the video. We need to be aware of um, others who are, may also, also be um, suffering PTSD symptoms um, 
and then just need some guidance. Um, so listening would be the best, best thing. And then there are so many resources now for people who are dealing with that. Um, I don't expect HR professionals to be the solve all for um, those types of problems, but at least letting those people know that they hear them, they understand, they care, and that there are resources for help and, and referring them to those places. And then it's up to that person if they choose to accept that help. Because um, one of the dynamics about abusive relationships is that their partner has taken away all of their control. Mm -hmm. And so what, what the last thing somebody wants um, done to them is for somebody to come and say, well, you need to do this and you need to do that and then expect that to happen. Uh, what you want to do is provide them the options and the choices so that they can start taking that control back over their lives. But it's a it's not an easy thing to leave an abusive relationship. There's so many factors that come into it, economics practical, where am I going to live? Um, safety, it is the most dangerous time when people leave abusive relationships. Um, and so it's easy for us to think, well, why don't they just leave them? Yeah. Um, but what we need to be thinking about is why does that partner think it's okay to abuse them? You know, and, and what are we doing about that? Um, and there are so many resources for safety planning and planning to get out of um, those situations safely and even economic help, legal help. Divis is one here in Tulsa, but they're all over the state. Um, they're all over the country, quite frankly. Um, and so there are lots of resources. So nobody feels it should feel like they have to do it alone. And no HR professional should feel like they have to have all the answers themselves. But just try to direct them in the right direction. I just remember from an OKHR OK state conference, there was someone from the YWCA who spoke and, sh and there were so many impactful pieces from that um, presentation. And one was that it takes seven tries mm -hmm. for the person to physically leave. Yeah. And golly, I just yeah. can't imagine. And no, and, and, and just, um, I, I don't know, this is probably a bad example, but you know, none of our partners are probably perfect. Right. And imagine one mistake they did. And now all of a sudden you immediately have to walk out the door and never speak to them again. Most of us are not going to do that. Right. right. Um, we're going to give them a chance to be better and improve the situation or their behavior. And we're, we may even take some of the blame on ourselves. Well, if I hadn't done this and they wouldn't have gotten mad at me. And so you change that behavior. And so there's a lot that goes into the dynamics of it. Um, it's not just a simple matter of, you know, just walking out the door and never looking back. Right. Um, and then many times when they do that, they either become very sweet and kind and, and sorrowful of their behavior and beg for them to come back. And they want to believe that they're a good person and they want to take them back because they do care sure. about them and love them sure. or they become threatening and abusers are really good at threatening the things that matter the most to somebody. So it could be their children. It could be their parents. It could be their animals. If you would come back, if you don't come back, you're never going to see your dog again. Um, cause maybe they had to leave without the dog to get out safely. You know, there's so many dynamics that come into it. And so sometimes they come back because they feel like they don't have a choice, right. but there are choices and that's what we want to direct them to. Right. I just remember the other, um, item that that person talked about was, um, the manipulation that if from a business standpoint, we could never pick out whom that person is. No. Mm -mm. And yeah. that's, that's just flabbergasting to me. Yeah. I um, There was an interesting case um, that a supervisor ended up um, being the um, lunch pen, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, that was able to help the uh, victim prove that she was in an abusive relationship and it was ongoing because she would have a lot of absences and they were related around the abuse that she was getting or suffering. And so the, the supervisor did a simple thing of, um, so-and-so called out sick today um, and then just wrote notes and kept kept kind of like a log, you know, we're always preaching paperwork in HR. Well, this ended up being something that really saved um, this person because um, they were uh, going to say that they couldn't prove that there was a history of abuse, but because of those notes that the supervisor kept over a prolonged period of time, they were able to show how long that abuse had been going on and yeah. they ended up winning the case because of it. So, you know, yeah. we're always preaching documentation and, <laughs> right. you know, sometimes it really does pay off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. So I, I just think, 
think that there is a, a place uh, for you for knowing those heartbreaking situations and, and um, being able to share that with businesses. And so that we can all be aware of stories that, you know, are, are different or um, that we can help others. So thank you yeah. for, for that part. Um, switching into something more fun. What's your favorite part about HR? Oh gosh. Um, I, I mean, I really, this is going to sound like a nerdy answer, but I love being able to just go in and create those uh, systems and processes and policies and just kind of creating it from scratch. Um, I love that part of it, but I also love building the culture. Um, I know I'm probably supposed to say the people part, but they come along with all of that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I really do enjoy about um, HR. I mean, I genuinely love people and care about people, but that's just kind of a nice bonus. I like doing those other things as well. What are you looking forward to um, in your new role as the president for um, Tara? Well, I, we surprisingly enough just announced that we were going back to in-person learning. <laughs> And then Omicron has uh, reared its ugly head. So we will see what that looks like. But yeah. I, we really want to, um, it's kind of like a redo for us. This is our 50th anniversary um, as an organization. Um, so that's kind of a fun opportunity to do something special to highlight that. Um, we um, have mostly, we have probably half our board is new um, to serving on the um, Terra board. So that's going to be exciting to see what new ideas that they bring to the table. Um, but our committees, you know, we're kind of a larger chapter. We have 500 plus members. So um, there's a lot of work that comes on to being in the board. And um, we usually have committees that help with our different areas like DEI and um, uh, I just went blank, but there's others that they help with, you know, helping plan the program meetings and the education that comes. Um, and our board has been doing it by themselves for the last two years. So um, those committees have been decimated because there's been nothing for them to show up to do because everything's been pushed to remote. So I'm really excited about getting those committees uh, formed again and getting new people interested in it. Um, finding ways to reach people in HR. That's not the traditional way. Um, I think Linda Clark um, spoke on your podcast about, you know, reaching people in different um, areas that is not your traditional way to reach HR. And I absolutely love that because I didn't come into HR in a traditional way. I know a lot of people who are in HR that didn't come into it in a traditional way. And we've got to find ways to reach those people too. Right. Right. I, I agree. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. So um, we just finished uh, Christmas time and holidays so what can you pass along to all of us of what great gifts are? What are great gifts? Huh. huh. <laughs> I think just seeing people for who they are um, and getting to know somebody, caring about people. Um, I think we're very quick, especially right now, to put labels on people. Mm. Um, you're either this political party or you're this one or you're... Uh, you know, there's so many labels that we are labeling people now, and we're almost doing that in a way that says we're being inclusive, but again, we're labeling people. So right. um, I think people are, there's so many gray areas when it comes to people. And I like to see people's gray areas. Not everything is black and white. I mean, right. um, and I think people um, can evolve and, and change, um, but I just like to see people for who they are um, and what they and what they are, what they can bring to the table. Yeah, I agree. And that, I mean, I think that's, that's the platinum rule, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It makes people feel special when we can be seen for who we are. Right. I think that's what everybody wants. I think, I think personally, that's one of the gifts of being in your forties, right? You, you realize who you are and um, you're okay with it and you really don't care what anybody else thinks about it. It's kind of freeing, right? <laughs> so if you can give that gift to other people, that's great. <laughs> yeah. 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 We like zoomed through our questions. Awesome. We zoomed through our questions, Miss Melissa. So um, we normally um, land with asking a few in questions, but is there anything that we missed that you wanted, you want the audience to know? that we did not ask. <laughs> well, I think um, probably the number one question I get asked as an HR professional is how do I get into HR? 
I get oh, that all the question. time. Yeah. And um, I um, did not get into HR in a traditional way. And so I, I think um, just having that desire to want to be in the industry, find a mentor. There's so many great people. I mean, I can speak for Oklahoma because that's where I live, but I get to meet great HR professionals all over the state. Um, there's lots of um, local HR chapters that you can be a part of finding that networking, find your people, right. right. Um, that can help you because HR people like to help people. So they're the best people to try to help you along that path. Yeah. Um, but find somebody that will help mentor, mentor you, give you advice on, you know, what's a good job to have, what's not. Be willing to take an entry-level job at first um, or a generalist role. I feel like I won the best um, at doing generalist work because I had to do a little bit of everything. Um, and working your way up, uh, the likelihood that you're going to be able to step right into a director role is not probably going to happen. So be willing to learn other roles to work your way into it. I think would probably be the best advice, but just that networking, that's to me, that is the best benefit of an HR chapter is the networking that we provide. I have lifelong friends I've made from it. Um, and now you guys from the state chapter. Um, and so I, I just feel like that's invaluable. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And I think you just talked about your first HR role of being in the hotel management and EEO claims and work comp and all of those things. I'm like, oh my gosh, work comp. I mean, those are, those are big things and they landed right in your lap right away. So, oh my goodness. (laughs) And I had to figure out as I went along, right? Yeah. (laughs) Not the best way to do it either, but (laughs) no. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that part. Cause I think that is really important. And especially if people are listening to this and they're they're finishing school or, mm-hmm. um, you know, just making a, a, a change because there are, are a lot of people who are potentially making just um, career type changes where they're wanting mm-hmm. to be in a different type of function. So I think that's great, great input. Um, so we nor- we usually end this with our usual end questions to every podcast. And so these are quick questions and just hope that you don't think too long about them. But in the past I'm going to say past 12 months, uh, what has been a rev, a revelation to you about yourself? Hmm. Um, that I can do the hard things. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the last 12, 24 months has been a challenge for everybody in HR. Um, you know, we had to learn and pivot a lot, <laughs> um, go on the fly. There was just a lot of ups and downs and challenges that we'd never faced before. Um, but we did it. Um, and we, um, some of us even thrive through it. So I think that I can just handle the hard things. I can handle what comes at me. Um, and you know, do I want to repeat 2020 again? Not so much, but if we have to, we know we can do it. So, right. I think that there was so much about, you know, we did make, we didn't think that we could, that's the whole thing is we didn't think that we could. And then it proved that, oh, you can make, decisions pretty quickly and make some yeah. changes. You can yeah. uh, do some stuff that are just uncomfortable, but you can make it happen. So yeah, yeah that's good. The tenacity. And yeah. I know that. Yeah. So what mantra do you use for your yourself that you like to share with others? Oh gosh. I don't know if I have a mantra. Um, <laughs> don't know. Um, I, I think I'm just genuinely a fun-loving, upbeat person. So I tend to see the positive. Um, and I just, and that's not a mantra, but I have no idea. <laughs> just trying to see the positive and the good in people. Um, you know, I'm a big advocate too of second chance hiring because I, mm-hmm. um, I feel like uh, this is not a mantra, but it just took me on that path in my brain. That's how my brain works. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but like, I, I feel like, you know, we... Um, send people to jail or prison. We ask them to do their time and then they get out and we give them no services to get a job or availability. And then we get mad when they can't support their family. Right. So I, I feel like let's give people a chance. I I always say we're um, an organization of grace because I think we've all needed grace at one point or time or another. So maybe that would be it that I want to show grace when needed. Yeah. That's appreciative. So, yeah. And you, you brought up that part too, that I think in HR, we have that opportunity to potentially help some of those persons that are in that situation where they've been 
yeah. you know, they've gotten out of a, a situation, gotten out of jail, gotten out of, you know, something where they, yeah. they need that opportunity. And yeah. So, and I can say some of them have been some of my best employees because right. they're very dedicated. Um, yep. And, you know, that goes a long way. Yep. Yep. All right. Copying from Renee Brown's podcast. What do most people get wrong about you? I don't know. I'm an open book. <laughs> um, probably that I just have always had uh, an easy path, an easy life. I haven't, um, you know, I've had, uh, I had an, I had my, myself had an abusive background. Um, my first husband was very abusive and um, I, you know, had a son from that relationship. So I was a single mom for a while um, and, you know, I went through a lot with that, um, but I came out of it stronger and, um, I don't hold that experience against others. Like, um, I know even when I worked with people who were abusive, you know, I feel like if, unless we can change that behavior, the cycle of abuse is just going to continue. So, um, I felt like, I feel like I'm able to um, move beyond that. And I think most people, because I'm so happy go lucky or whatever, probably think I haven't had mm-hmm. tough experiences, but I think we all have, I think everybody has had some type of struggle and just being able to relate to others who have, I think it's been a benefit for me. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think, yeah. I wonder, is there a way or a comment of having, helping somebody to realize, to say, here is my boundary. Here is my, my truth to, to realize not okay. Not this, this situation isn't okay. Is, you know, is there a process in that for persons to understand that? You mean, uh, like somebody dating somebody that is maybe showing signs of control. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to test their boundaries just like children do just like, uh, you know, it's all about boundaries. Um, and it's really challenging if you don't have any, right. If you don't know what you stand for. Um, and so just one, this is just a very simple example, but let's say you go to a party and you're standing there with your friend and a guy comes up to you and he's like, Hey, let me get you a drink. And you're like, no, I'm good. I have a drink. You know, I I don't need another one. I'm fine. No, seriously, let me get you a drink. I can get you a drink. You look thirsty. Let me get you a drink. No, I'm fine. I, I don't need another drink. Okay. But then they bring you a drink. And so then you're like, well, I guess I will take this drink, right? It's just a simple way of testing those boundaries, not accepting what you say at face value, not accepting no for no. I know that's a very simple, basic, and I'm not saying everybody that gets like somebody a drink is an abuser, but right. it's really about, are they listening to what you're you're saying? Do they hear what your boundaries are? Are they trying to talk you out of having those boundaries? That's what you want to pay attention to. You know, Mm -hmm. also, um, how do they um, behave when you want to spend time with somebody else, like your parents, your friends, your um, other family? Do they um, get jealous about that? Um, That's a sign of somebody that's controlling and jealousy. Those are all signs of a very insecure person. And insecurity Mm -hmm. is one of the most dangerous traits somebody can have. Because yeah. they want to take your power and take it for their own. Wow. So pay attention for some like signs like that. Yeah. Okay. This has been an insightful uh, <laughs> conversation today. Um, all right. Let's, let's move to happy or potentially happy. Okay. I keep taking but- us to a very dark place. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm appreciative of it. Cause I think there's great nuggets that people will walk away with from just from listening to this. And so thank you so much. Um, but what recent TV shows have you been obsessed with? Oh my God. I'm a reality TV junkie and there's nothing realistic about them. And I know this, but I'm going to watch them anyway. Like all the real housewives I'm there for it. Um, and <laughs> I always joke that if they made a Real Housewives about like me and my friends, it would be the boringest show ever. Yeah. I still feel like I have to watch them. And then I am a huge true crime junkie. I love all the podcasts and all the books and all the Dateline type shows and investigations. And I don't know what that says about me. I think it terrifies my husband, but I'm okay with that. 
Well, and so that leads to our next one of like, of what book or podcast do you tell people they must read or listen to? Because it sounds like you, Crime Junkie, you and Jackie Ramage are. Yes, we, we share podcasts. We're like, which one are you listening to now? <laughs> we share our list. Um, there was one, God, I keep going back to the mess of violence. I can't help it, but there was one called believe her that I just listened to. That was amazing. Um, it's only six or seven episodes. So it's a short one, but, um, it is astounding that she, um, the, the, the main character of this podcast is based on a true story. She, uh, ended up killing her husband out of self-defense and she ended up going to prison for a very long time, um, because of it. So it, it sounds very doomy gloomy, but it's actually really surprisingly eye-opening about the justice system and, and how things are handled. There's a lot of them that have been eye-opening to me about the justice system that we always assume, you know, is a good system, right? And I think it's as good as it can be maybe, but I think there's definitely room for improvement. That doesn't make any sense, but you know what I mean. <laughs> What's the name of it again? At Believe Her. Believe Her. Okay. Believe Her. Believe her podcast. Okay. All right. So we are taking that away as a takeaway. All right. How can people connect with you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn at Melissa Lockhart, um, Sherm CP SPHR. Um, so that would probably be the best. And I love to connect with people. I love having the network. So um, definitely please reach out and connect. Okay. I'll accept it. <laughs> okay. Well, Rob, anything else to sign us out? I think that's a, a great ending for our second podcast of the second season. This has been very insightful and fun and uh, great. So thank you, Melissa. That was yeah, that was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Until our next OKHR meeting. Yes. I think yes. probably in a week, right? right? <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, guys.